Hello and welcome to JomoCast, the podcast. This weekend, everyone has got their eyes on the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. The bracket has just been released, and very exciting. The round of 64 will be starting this weekend. We have got for you today a few JomoCast members here to talk about their brackets, what they're looking forward to. We've got Owen Fitzsimons, Henry Stahl, and Max Goldfarb. I'm your host, Dan Mahoney, and we're just going to be chatting about some of the things that we're looking forward to over the next few weeks. All right, so first of all, let's just uh, let's go through for each one of you. You can introduce yourselves as well. And I'll just start off with a big question. With uh, The first few games will be happening this Friday and Saturday, uh, March 19th and 20th. What is one matchup that you are looking forward to in this first weekend, first round? We'll start with Owen. Yeah, what's up, Daniel? Um, I assume that because there are games on the 18th, so those are the, the playing games. Um, so obviously those, those decide just, I guess, who the 16th seeds are, if I'm correct. Yeah, there are a couple. So there'll be the four playing games. There'll be two. Uh, between the bottom four seeds, the 16 seeds, as well as two games between uh, the, fir- the uh, sorry, the last four in, which are uh, some of the last four at-large bids. Um, those would be about 11 seeds. Okay, but I think yeah, easier to focus on on round one, March March 19th and 20. Uh, one matchup in the round of 64. I'm looking forward to um, right off the bat. I think Maryland versus UConn. I think that should be a really good game. Um, and then also, uh, I know you asked for one, I'm going to give you two, uh, Rutgers versus Clemson. Uh, it's kind of cheesy to pick like two games that are seven and 10 seeds. Um, but I like the look of that Rutgers team, to be honest. Um, and I also like the look of the Maryland team. So I think you could have two mini upsets there right off the bat. Um, and actually in, in my personal bracket, I believe I had the two of them, two of them advancing through that round. Happy to go ahead. So for me, yeah, kind of looking at those sort of closer in seed matchups, I really like the Loyola Chicago Georgia Tech matchup. Georgia Tech coming off of an ACC championship where to some extent they kind of backed into it with Virginia and Duke having had COVID issues. So one could argue perhaps they weren't the most deserving team, but nonetheless they pulled it off and, uh, you know, happy for those guys. And on, on the flip side with Loyola Chicago, obviously everyone remembers them for their Cinderella run, I want to say to the Elite Eight uh, two, three years ago. So they, according to some um, analytics rankings called KPOM, they're number 10 in the country. So one could argue being a mid-major, they're a bit underseated. So I think they should give Georgia Tech a run for their money for sure. And, um, you know, We'll let us see if Georgia Tech still has some of that magic that led them to a surprise ACC championship victory. Yeah, and I guess my cop-out for your question is to pick an 8-9 seed matchup. I am really looking forward to uh, North Carolina-Wisconsin. Both teams uh, generally underperformed for what they've done in years past. Uh, UNC usually... Uh, is a powerhouse in the NCAA, but only getting an eight seed. They looked, I mean, really poor in the start of this year, but at least they're not Duke. Um, So I'm really excited for that because I think either one of them with uh, their program's experience could 
make a deep run uh, after they get through that first round. Uh, in the first four, I'm also liking uh, Michigan State's game. Uh, they have beaten three top five ranked teams this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me just go through them. They beat uh, Michigan just two weeks ago when they were the number two seed. They beat Ohio State uh, in February when they were the number four seed, and they beat Illinois when they were the five seed. Uh, so definitely a lot of potential to take down some uh, some heavy favorites. I think uh, even though they've got a much tougher path ahead of them, uh, being in that, that play-in game for the 11 seed and then, uh, then the round of 64, I, I think I'll definitely be keeping my eye on them. All right, sounds good. Those are all very exciting games. After this, I'll just uh, leave it more open so anyone can feel free to jump in. No, Daniel, you, you still have to give us yours. In that case, I'm going to go with a bit of a funny pick because we're going to look at Colgate, toothpaste team, against Arkansas. Colgate is a team that they're 14 seed, so they're probably not very good. But since they've only played about 15 games all within the Patriot League, no one really knows how good they are. And so in the NET rankings, which um, take into account a few different things, normally, uh, since teams play out of conference, it would be more accurate. But NET rankings actually have them in like the top 10. So maybe they're just insanely good and no one knows. Uh, but but I'd be interested to see how they uh, fare against uh, Arkansas, a team who's done very well in the SEC, um, a team who's uh, from Power 5 Conference. Yeah, I, I I actually was on TikTok last night and just was on the hashtag March Madness because that's where I get all of my news from. Um, and the amount of just Razorback slander I saw, um, <laughs> just apparently historically they're they're not too hot. So to lose to lose to as you call them the toothpaste team certainly seems like at least a little bit of a possibility. Uh, I would also like to jump in again um, if we're talking about fourteen seeds. Uh, just a, a personal bias pick. I really like Abilene Christian over Texas in the first round uh, because they they check all my boxes, being that they are religiously affiliated. Uh, they're from Texas, and they have a purple logo, which I feel like is just the perfect trifecta for for causing an upset. Yeah, you can't argue with the purple logo. It's true. Texas might get a little worried. They're they're seeing TCU in that first round. Another Christian school with a purple logo. All right, well, that's a perfect segue. Let's talk about upsets. Everyone loves the upset, especially in these first uh, first couple days of the tournament. There'll be like twelve games going on at once. You know, I'm just trying to see who's gonna uh, who's gonna come out on top. What are some of your some of your uh, maybe sleeper upset picks? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe you're, this is your guarantee, heard it here first, this is going to be an upset. What are your thoughts? Uh, I can jump in here, um, especially because I'm a sucker for a good upset. Um, definitely, I think the Ohio Bobcats versus Virginia. Um, I think I'm really hot on Ohio right now, um, and I think that they're actually going to do pretty well. Um, another, another, so I feel like that's a little bit of a sleeper, a sleeper upset pick. I think Oklahoma State are gonna are gonna cause an upset somewhere along the line. Maybe not. I don't think that it would be classed as an up 
upset them beating Liberty, but I, I feel like a uh, Sweet 16 matchup with Illinois is looking really possible for them. Um, so I think that uh, that that is an upset to look out for. And then also my big upset is I have Creighton over Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. And, uh, I don't think that Gonzaga's undefeated record is going to do anything good for them. I think it's actually going to be a huge hindrance. Um, I watched them almost get beat a week ago by, I'm honestly blanking on who it was right now, but they just looked vulnerable. I don't know. I definitely don't think that they're, that they're as good as, as their record shows. Yeah, I guess I can jump in here. Um, so it's definitely to some extent coming from a place of, of bias, but my, uh, I, I have a strong feeling that my Georgetown Hoyas will upset the Colorado Buffaloes. Colorado doesn't exactly have a lot of huge wins under the resume. And I feel like Georgetown battle tested team rattling off two two wins against um Villanova and Creighton, who are both pretty highly seed in this tournament. And having the the energy of former Nick Patrick Ewing uh, coaching them along and really having had some players emerge, including MVP of the Big East tournament, Dante Harris. I have a I have a decent feeling that that is a is a twelve five upset that could be in the cards. Also, I'm not sure if I'll call it an upset, but more of a more intrigue about how far a coach can take a team. Looking at Iona versus Alabama, Iona with first year, I'll say first year to Iona coach, longtime coach though, Rick Pitino, who is leading the Gales, um, and and yeah, with his experience having been coach at Louisville and Kentucky for all his years, having had pretty successful teams there, I feel like they could give an Alabama team that is you know similar to Arkansas, another SEC team, somewhat unfamiliar with such a high seed. Uh, perhaps it'll catch. Perhaps the the Gales will catch them off guard. Yeah, I'm glad you you brought up that Alabama Iona matchup because I really think um, Alabama's ranked too high. Uh, they've had four games against ranked teams. They've lost three of them. The last one that they won was uh, in January, uh, early January. Iona, on the other time, uh, on the other hand, uh, zero losses to ranked teams. Of course, they have yet to play a ranked team, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, and I just think Alabama. Uh, I I don't really see them as a two seed. Um, in some of my brackets, I think Iona uh, is my big upset, and I don't think I'll have Alabama going past the round of 32 in, in any of my brackets. All right, yeah, you guys bring up some interesting points. Definitely just a couple to add on. Um, in the Ohio-Virginia game, Virginia has also been dealing with some COVID issues, so... You know, it's a little bit unclear. Hopefully, you know, we, we don't want any teams to be missing star players because of COVID, but uh, you never know what's going to happen there. Um, and I'll I'll jump on the uh, the Georgetown Colorado because one of my seems one of my heuristics is like always pick against the Pac-12. I feel like the Pac-12 is not of the Power Five schools. They're not a, a conference that I usually pick uh, to go very far, except Oregon uh, did a few years ago. But so along those lines, USC as a six seed facing off either Wichita State or Drake, depending on that first four game. Those first four games are a lot of times really good upset picks coming in from the 11 seed. Um, so I think Wichita State and Drake are both really solid teams. And whichever one of them comes out of that could really take down USC. 
Um, and on the same lines, Michigan State versus UCLA. Um, whoever wins that will be facing off against BYU. Um, and whenever you have one of those, you know, first four Power Five conference teams going up against one of the a little bit of smaller conference and BYU, smaller team, uh, got a real big chance for an upset there. I think there's also an argument for rest versus rust, especially in a season where teams have played, I don't know, fewer games sporadically with, you know, like you said, Daniel, those teams playing on, um, you know, a couple of days before their first round, ma- their, their round of 64 matchups, I'll say. Uh, it definitely, I think, gives them an advantage by being able to get their legs under themselves. The other thing is that uh, the Big Ten has just played their conference tournament in Indianapolis, which is uh, where the entire NCAA tournament will be. So um, they'll have certainly less travel, and they'll have a bit of familiarity with the courts, perhaps. So you never know if that makes a difference. I know the it was the Ohio State game last night, or I guess um, the Illinois game last night, was uh, taking place in Lucas Oil, I believe, right? I, I think it'll, it'll be a good experience, uh, a good experience for the guys. And so it actually kind of leads me into, into a question that I have. So basically the NCAA protocol right now is that they have to test negative for seven days, like them as in the players, before even getting to Indiana. So what do you do you think that that's all going to go smoothly? Like, how do you guys think that's going to go, considering that, like, all it takes is, like, kind of one person to be stupid and throw off, like, their entire team? Like, these teams that just won conference championships this week, are we really saying that none of them went out and celebrated? Like, do you think that we're going to see repercussions like that somewhere? I think at this high level, the pressure is so high uh, that I think as a team, it is very unlikely um, for there to be a huge COVID-related issue. Uh, I mean, you're talking, we're getting into the realms of, you know, scholarship, if you're really good, like NBA draft. So given that's, that's a very small percentage of players, and then these really elite programs, which uh, very esteemed coaches uh, who who know what they're doing and will do whatever it takes to keep their players in order. I don't think there will be a huge amount of drama over uh, COVID protocol. Uh, and hopefully I'm not proven wrong. Yeah, and I think that as as is the nature of these conference tournaments even in normal years having have i mean having them basically in bubbles you know in whatever city the tournament happens to be taking place i think definitely works to the team's benefit or has has worked to the team's benefits however yeah there is always i guess the concern of them going out and partying but i think henry makes some good points about just the understanding of how these opportunities are kind of once in a lifetime for a lot of these players and Right, certainly for players who are NBA draft eligible, perhaps coming from a school like Drake, let's say. I mean, I'm thinking back to John Moran a couple of years ago at Murray State. I mean, that's really their opportunities to showcase their talent uh, amongst teams outside of just the mid-major tier. Yeah, it, it's also interesting that you mentioned uh, John Morant and Murray State because another thing I was wondering what you guys thought was with the, you were kind of saying earlier, with rest versus rust, right? So I'm thinking with, obviously, COVID, they haven't had as extensive season. There hasn't been a lot of 
in conference play, and there could certainly be some rust. Do you see star power playing more or less of an important role than normal this year? Like, what do you think is going to be that that big difference that because teams haven't been playing as much and because COVID has all these different implications, what do you think is the one thing that's really going to stand out more than anything as a difference maker? I think I am uh, going to be the same way on star power as I am uh, most years, which is I don't believe um, NBA talent translate to March Madness success. And I can't give you any numbers on that, but uh, I can point out, you know, that undefeated Kentucky team, which had, what, probably five or six future NBA players on it. Uh, Duke, um, just two years back when they had Zion. Uh, I think generally there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, Where I do like star power is maybe Iowa with Luka Garza, um, who was the player of the year last year and will very likely be uh, this year as well. And he's not just a a one and done, uh, you know, lottery pick freshman. He's a senior who intentionally stayed in the program when he could have gotten drafted last year. I think he uh, and the program at Iowa have a lot of experience, uh, though, of course, they didn't have a tournament last year. Um, and I definitely like like him to, to be showing up in this tournament, but not so much um, someone like Cade Cunningham for uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I kind of have a similar opinion to Henry. My mind immediately, when you asked this question, my mind immediately went to Trey Young from a couple of years ago at Oklahoma, where they came in, I want to say, as an eight or nine seed, played a Rhode Island team that was kind of rolling into the tournament. I think probably won the 8-10 tournament that year. And I think everyone knew, you know, despite Trey Young's talent, they were sort of on upset alert because that was a that was an offense that really, really revolved around him perhaps a little too much, leaned on him perhaps a little too much. And just pulling up the game logs right now, they ended up losing in that matchup to Rhode Island in the round of 16. He put up 28 points, which, you know, you scale it up to NBA numbers. That's that's pretty amazing, although got to admit, scoring's up in the NBA now, so 35-ish points isn't so out of this world. But it just goes to show you that I think, yeah, I think Henry makes a great distinction on the kind of star player who's seen, who is a more complete player, doesn't, isn't necessarily someone who's going to make the offense revolve around him, definitely get other pieces uh, working as well, as opposed to, you know, more of a flashier scoring first player like a Cade Cunningham. So, yeah, I think, and I think also you need to consider the kind of, like the brand of basketball that's being played right now because of COVID issues. I think for me, it's just generally probably sloppier than we normally see, surprisingly, in, in NCAA tournaments. I'm just using the, the NBA as a frame of reference. It's generally, yeah, lower scoring games, defense is bigger. So I think for me, the X factor, going back to your original question, is that defense is going to reign supreme. We're going to see a bunch of these, I think, uh, 40, 50, 60 point games, as in you know each team scoring those amount of points. And uh, yeah, you could see some real uh, defensive showdowns. Yeah, in, in terms of single players, I think... I don't really have uh, – I don't particularly think the circumstances of this season really change my opinions. Um, but in general, I basically feel like 
a star player will get you one, maybe two rounds further than you would normally go, but it, it won't be more than that, you know? So, you know, some of the top teams that have these star players, I think, could give them the extra push into a title, but I, you know, I don't think they, a single player can, can carry a team, although it, it has happened uh, before. I was just thinking to myself, like, obviously with, with COVID and everything, I would have assumed that the the bigger programs would have just... I would almost think that, like, upsets would be less likely this year just because a lot of, like, the benefits of having a big program and all that funding could really come through and, like, the ability to practice safely, to have spaces where they can practice it, you know, like, have gyms big enough that they can work out with, like, actual regulations, stuff like that. But at the same time, it's it's all Division One sports in the U.S., right? And, like, all those programs are, are huge anyway. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, I think that COVID will cause more upsets, um, just in terms of, like, everybody's seasons have been disrupted um but you know i've i've been wrong a lot in the past so can definitely can definitely be wrong again yeah i think with regards to covid there've also been like there've been a few cases um i think one of them where sort of it, it influenced before the tournament so i think st louis might have been an example where like they had to take uh, an extended break during the season because of covid um, where they just like weren't playing games for a, a couple weeks, and so that made it really difficult to get into a rhythm, and so, and they ended up not being selected um, as one of the first few teams um, being left out. Um, but you know, ho- hopefully, again, so you know, we mentioned COVID as well. I mentioned it because uh, just in the uh, in the conference tournaments, there were a few canceled games. Um, like I mentioned, Virginia was one that. Their game was canceled. Kansas, the other one, uh, where they basically had to uh, forfeit um, their spot in the conference tournament. Um, and hopefully we don't, don't get too much of that. There is a, a rule this year that uh, if a team gets COVID and is unable to arrive in Indianapolis, another team can replace them. Um, if they're from a one-bid league, like someone else from that conference can come in or otherwise one of those first few teams out. Um, so I think the first teams that were Louisville, Colorado State, maybe, and in St. Louis. So one of those teams could end up replacing them. Um, hopefully we don't need to do that. Um, and then once the tournament starts, it's just those are the teams, um, and, and we'll see where it goes. Um, all right. So I'm going to jump in with another question. Um, we've been talking a lot about upsets already. Um, and some of this has been mentioned a little bit, but so, uh, sort of the, the, there are two, I mentioned this when I was on the podcast last week, there are two general categories, at least in my eyes of upsets. There's those first round upsets, you know, your UMBCs, your middle Tennessees, your Florida Gulf coast. Then there's the teams that, uh, sort of middle range, um, seeds that end up making a big run to the final four and have a chance to even win a title. Um, and so. In each of the past 10 brackets, I think, um, a team with a seed at least five or higher has made the final four. So I'm asking each of you, if you had to pick a team seeded five or higher uh, to make the final four, who would it be?
I think my pick uh, is probably Wisconsin, really. Um, I know I talked about that Wisconsin-UNC matchup, so I maybe I'll amend that to either Wisconsin or UNC. Uh, I think if you put a gun to my head and, and told me to pick a, a higher seat to make the Final Four, I think whoever wins that first-round matchup definitely has the potential to beat uh, Baylor, uh, who is the one seed in that region. And then I'm not really high on anybody else in that in that region. I know Owen will disagree with me because Ohio State is the number two seed. Um, and maybe Daniel Yield disagree because Colgate is also there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, I think both of those teams, um, despite their troubles this year, uh, still have the, uh, the past tournament uh, success to, to get them through. So, so that would be my pick, UNC or Wisconsin, whoever wins after this round matchup. Uh, for me, it's, it's weird. I, got, I have a lot of four seeds going pretty deep, a couple three seeds. Um, like I only have one, one, one seed in my final four, and that's Michigan. But if I had to say a five or higher, I don't hate Creighton. I think that if they get past Zaga, which I think that they will, um, which I have them getting past Virginia and uh, Ohio too, like Ohio, uh, the what is it? Not the state, the other one, the one that I like. Um, so I would probably have to say Creighton. I think that they have, if I'm correct about the Zags, absolutely choking the easiest path. Um, to the final four for a five seed. Um, I like, again, I said Oklahoma State, but they're a four, four seed, so I guess they just may, miss out on your prediction. Um, like, they took down, what was it, Baylor last week um, and looked pretty good. I also, I mean, I don't hate Colorado. I think Colorado, like, have a shout. I have them going out to Florida State. Um, but I'm not too hot in the five seeds this year. I think I think five up um, isn't looking too good. Texas Tech, um, maybe... Uh, a huge tournament for Mac McClung can can carry them over the hump, um, but to get out of out of their side of the bracket, they they would probably have to beat Arkansas and Ohio State, which, as we said, are two are two teams on upsettler, but then would end up facing either Wisconsin, Purdue, or Baylor or Villanova, right? Most likely in that uh in that Sweet Sixteen matchup, or sorry, in that uh, Elite Eight matchup. So it's just like their path is is tough. Um, so in terms of ease of path, which in which I can actually see happening, I would have to go with Creighton. Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Villanova. I think that the the coaching might of Jay Wright will definitely give them a boost. I've also been impressed with the play of um, of Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think he's been very solid for him, and I don't think their loss to Georgetown is indicative of their capabilities. I mean, they finished with a very solid 16 and six record. I do think if they can get past, you know, either a Baylor, UNC, Wisconsin, and that sweet 16 matchup, I think they're in good shape. Um, and I feel like they tend to do best when they're a little bit lower of a seed than perhaps they're expected to be at the beginning of the season. I think when they made and they maybe won the national championship a few years ago with Chris Jenkins and that crew, they were I want to say a seven or eight seed. So it's very much in their blood to to come out when they're 
written written off a little bit and uh, and make some noise. I just I just with Villanova. I think they're calling Gillespie Gillespie. I never know how to say it right. Uh, losing that that senior starting point guard to a, to a season ending ACL injury is just. I don't know, man. I don't know if, like, as a team, they'll be able to rally around that cause or something. But I really don't see. Uh, I, I don't see Villanova doing it. I, I have a hard disagree. I'm actually pretty sure I have Nova going out in the first round of my bracket. No, I don't. I haven't been going out in the second round. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. This is a. Uh, this is me. Me telling you that you're wrong. So if if you're correct, feel free to feel free to pull this back up in two weeks and yell at me. All right, well, I'll just add in my pick. I, I think, um, you know, I'm definitely looking at the paths as well. Um, uh, I Like someone else mentioned, I think Texas Tech is a good team that, that can make a run. Um, but I'm actually looking in the East region. Of course, East doesn't really mean anything. They're all in Indianapolis. But uh, with uh, Alabama, we mentioned, is I'm not 100% convinced on them being a two-seed. And Michigan as well. Um, they had, they've had the injury to Isaiah Livers, and um, they've looked vulnerable a couple times losing. Uh, of course, Big Ten is always very difficult, um, but they've lost a couple games recently. Um, and so, with that in mind, I, I think a team like UConn could make a run again. They they've certainly done it before, and uh, with James Boonight, um, you know, he's certainly a star player that can give him perhaps the the extra push. Um, for an uh, you know to make perhaps a run to the final four. Yeah, and Daniel, the, before we um, get on to other things, I, I I've been kind of teasing it, but I I think that I'm really high on the Big Ten this year. Um, they they've actually had just like a record-setting performance as a conference. Um, they have four teams as either the one or two seed, which uh, is the first time that's ever happened in an NCAA tournament. And then they've got four more teams uh, as higher seeds. Uh, and then they've also got Michigan State in the, the first four play-in. Uh, so nine total teams uh, in that conference. Uh, unfortunately, that, that just uh, kind of makes all the other teams look bad, like my like Minnesota Gophers. Um, but uh, really the conference is stacked. And I just want to point out that I don't think it would be absurd if you had a final four that was entirely big 10 teams. I mean, it's unlikely, but you could easily have Iowa, a two seed, Michigan, a one, Illinois, a one who I'm really high on Illinois. If we, uh, I know we haven't touched on that, but I like them a lot after they won the turn, the big 10 tournament and then Ohio state as another two, that's, that's a clean final four right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so with that, I think that's a good transition. Uh, we got a lot of upset picks in, so we'll go a little bit deeper just to each individual region. So since you mentioned, uh, Illinois, let's start there. Let's start in the Midwest region. Um, the top seeds, Illinois, winning the Big Ten, as you mentioned, um, as the number one, with Houston as the number two. Um, and there are a lot of good teams here. What are some of the things you're looking out for? Uh, I am definitely picking Illinois to win this most of the time. Uh, I have not not hit the books on Houston a lot, but uh, 
for whatever reason, I'm I'm a little low on them. Uh, I, I believe they won their conference championship, though, so they've got the the momentum. Um, I I talked a little about this earlier, but Oklahoma State, I think a lot of people are a little bit higher on them. They could easily be a, a three seed, uh, though they are a four, and they're led by uh, freshman Cade Cunningham. And as I was talking about earlier, I am not a huge believer in uh, freshman one and dones um, leading their teams to tournament success. Uh, Cade Cunningham uh, is the general consensus for the number one overall pick. Uh, and I don't think that means Oklahoma State makes a huge run. I think Illinois uh, finishing on top of the Big Ten is a huge plus for them. Uh, so I don't see a lot of upsets uh, for who wins the Midwest. Yeah, I think this is definitely like those, that's a huge storyline for Illinois. Illinois, like you mentioned, looked incredible. And I feel like I really want to pick them to go far. Um, but they have a tough road. And, and it's sort of on both sides of the coin for Illinois. It's hard for them. You know, it's a tough road. Loyola Chicago is probably underseeded. Um, Oklahoma State arguably underseeded under as well. Um, and so, you know, it's it'd be tough even to make it to the Elite Eight where they'd have to face maybe a West Virginia or a Houston team. On the other side, like, if Oklahoma State as a four seed is in any other region, I'd pick them to beat the one seed. But against Illinois, that that's where I, I'm really not sure. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping for that game. Uh, to cut to pop out in the sweet 16 and we'll see what happens there yeah i'd basically i'd echo a lot of a lot of what was said um illinois made things tough against against ohio the other night um ended up taking them to ot yeah illinois took a really bad last shot in regulation they were it was a tie game and the guy decided to jack up like a sidestep three um, over a defender, which which made no sense. So I guess that kind of gives me worries about them coming up in the clutch and stuff, but I don't see any of their games besides their one with Oklahoma State being particularly close, which I actually have Oklahoma State winning. That would be, if all things go the way that I think that they will, which they almost certainly won't uh, be in, in round two of the tournament. Um, don't know, again, too much about Houston besides the fact that they're 24-3 and three on the year. Um, and that they're eight and two in their last ten games, um, which is obviously like pretty decent. Uh, their loss came to Wichita State um, and East Carolina. Um, so again, like those aren't really teams that they should be losing to. And not only did they lose both of those games, um, uh, Wichita State uh, beat them by five, and East Carolina beat them by nine. So. Mm. A little suspect there uh, in terms of Houston, but I do I do have them progressing just because I think Cleveland State and then Clemson or Rutgers isn't particularly too hard of a too hard of a road. So I think it's a uh, I think it's Oklahoma State make it out of the Midwest uh, with a Sweet Sixteen matchup of uh, Oklahoma State versus Houston. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, kind of align with a lot of what you all have already said. Um, I think for me, West Virginia is, is an interesting team. I think they're a bit overseeded. I 
related to what someone was saying before about the Pac-12, I generally don't have a lot of confidence in the Big 12. Um, and I think West Virginia could easily go down, um, I would think, in maybe the round of 32 to either San Diego State or Syracuse. Um, I haven't followed Illinois a ton. I know they've had some big wins uh, against Big Ten opponents, one in the tournament. So I think, yeah, they're, they're my team to move on from, from the Midwest region. All right. Well, that's uh, some good information for the Midwest. We'll move up since we were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, the, these conferences coming up a lot, the Big Ten and the Big 12. So we'll move up to the South region where we've got the number one seed, Baylor Bears, with the number two seed, Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, certainly a lot of good teams here. Ohio State, uh, both of these teams actually have lost recently in their conference tournaments to some of the teams we just mentioned. Ohio State, very close, came against Illinois just a couple days ago, and Baylor actually got knocked out by Oklahoma State. Um, the day before, I believe. Um, so, what do we? Uh, who do we got from this region? I can I can jump in first here, just because this is my this is my uh, these are my Ohio State Buckeyes. I think I think Baylor and Ohio State definitely looks like the uh, most likely, I guess, Elite Eight matchup. Um, again, I watched that. Oklahoma State Baylor game, which is probably why I was so hot in Oklahoma State, ended up beating them by nine. Um, and then Baylor also recently, as in like within the last ten games, had also lost to uh to Kansas seventy one to fifty eight. Um, but Kansas and Oklahoma State are both good teams. I think that looking at that versus looking to Ohio State's five and five in the last ten games with losses to. To Michigan, uh, that was a close loss. They lost uh, to Michigan State as well. They got quasi blown out by Iowa, a fifty-seven to seventy-three loss. Um, and they've lost to Illinois twice in the last ten games. I, it breaks my heart. Um, I have them winning my bracket, but only because I can't root against them. Um, I think that they are more likely than previous years to go deep in this tournament. Um, but I think. If you look at momentum, I think Baylor pretty easily takes this uh this south. Um, but as you said, I mean there's some there's some ballers in there. I I do think Ohio State's on upset alert and definitely could come to Texas Tech. I mean Purdue could shock shock people and end up taking out Baylor if they can get get past most likely Villanova after North Texas. Um, and like Stahl said earlier, like Wisconsin doesn't look half bad either. So. I think it's hard because it's March Madness, um, and it's hard because I love upsets. Um, but I do, I do see an elite eight matchup of of the one versus the two uh, with Baylor and Ohio State. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm gonna have to go against you on that one, Owen. Um, of course, don't tell my brother-in-law who is a Ohio State alum. But I, Ohio State is one of those teams where their peak is really high. They're a great team some of the time. And yet they finished the regular season with like four losses, um, four straight losses or something like that. It seems like a lot of times at the end of games, uh, they don't seem to be able to close it out. The game against Michigan, they were up by eight with uh with like two minutes to go and then almost threw it all away and Michigan had a had a chance to win it at the very end. Um against Illinois of course, Illinois is very good, but and they forced overtime, but couldn't quite finish it off. And they only had a lead, like for uh, they had to work their way back in that game to to force overtime. 
so that that's going to be my my big bold prediction is that Ohio State will not make the Elite Eight. Um, I think, you know, even though we've, we've had fun talking about Colgate, I don't really think they're going to beat Arkansas. And I think either an Arkansas or a Texas Tech could end up beating an Ohio State team. Um, so, so that, that's my uh, my big pick out of out of the South region. Yeah, I think for me, um, I wanna I wanna stick to my Villanova confidence, but uh, the the news that I know about it's not really news about Gillespie definitely makes me feel otherwise about him. Um, I do have some confidence in in Texas Tech. Feel like they might be able to make some noise. I am not a huge believer in Arkansas, so I could easily see a Sweet 16 appearance out of them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little, it's a little bit of a cop out. I do think this region is a bit like up for grabs, very open because I don't know, not, and it's, it's probably not appropriate to have this kind of bias brought in, but I, I just am not a huge believer in, in the Big 12, and I feel like. Baylor um, could potentially, you know, see some see some issues from a, a North Carolina or Wisconsin. Um, so if I were if I had a gun to my head and, and needed to make a pick for the region, um, I'd probably probably go with uh, with UNC. Yeah, I think um, for my thoughts on the South. I mean, my 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 gutsy pick was Wisconsin, uh, but I think if I were playing the numbers game and wanted to win some money on a bracket, I would have Baylor winning this region. Just looking at uh, the two, three, four, five seeds, um, I'm not optimistic in any of them. So I think just picking the one seed in Baylor uh, is the only one where where you. Uh, you click the selection, you see them showing up in the final four, and you're like, oh, you know what? That's that's possible. Um, so I think I'd have to take Baylor. And if you don't mind, I'll just transition us to West. Um, with the, the Gonzaga's the one, and the Luca Garza-led Iowa Hawkeyes as the two. Um, and I guess we haven't talked about it too much yet, um, but I think... I think the Gonzaga slander has gone too far, guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're <laughs> they're the heavy favorites to win the whole tournament, um, and I'm I'm pretty by I'm pretty biased towards Iowa. Uh, I've been a Hawkeyes fan my whole life. Uh, they're really only second to the Gophers, um, and I don't even think they're they really stand much of a chance against Gonzaga if they, they come up in that matchup. And obviously the thing with March Madness is you've got to win what, like six or seven games to win the whole thing. That's insane to think about when you're playing against the 63 other best teams uh, in the NCAA. But uh, I think if there's going to be a team to win it, I, I still have to pick Gonzaga um, undefeated. Uh whether that's bad luck or not, it, it, I think it bodes well for them. Henry, obviously I'm going to hard disagree. Uh, the last undefeated team uh, to win uh, the NCAA Division One and finish the season undefeated was the 76 Hoosiers coming out of Indiana. Um, and we've seen a lot of good teams 
come in and not win this tournament. I just, it was even like, like going back to tough sports here, it was like watching our women's basketball team. I was last season, that is, we were like, was it 24 and 0 or something? And when we lost, I was like, thank God. Um, because carrying that undefeated record into into the March Madness would have just been bad. I I, I don't see it. Hell, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see I don't see Zaga Zaga coming out. Obviously, the 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 Buckies would say that they will. Um, and I also don't think that the West is incredibly difficult. Um, just in looking at the West specifically, Iowa has looked good. Um, like obviously Kansas is there, and I think Kansas kind of has a a year to shine in the sense that. There's other teams that have been historically good, as in Duke and North Carolina, that are not historically good right now. Um, so those are kind of like old rivalries in terms of like legendary programs that they can kind of get one up on here. I guess you can also look at look at Indiana in that in that uh, aspect as well. Um, but yeah, I I just think I don't think the Zags got the sauce. I don't think that I don't think that they're the best undefeated team since 1967. And I certainly don't think that with COVID throwing a wrinkle and everything and having all these factors and everything and also like coming close to losing several times. You said that like obviously it takes a lot of it's gonna like the high skill teams are gonna prevail due to the fact that like you have to win six or seven games, but at the same time you only gotta lose one. Um and I can definitely see them losing one. So that's my that's my take on the West. Um but obviously it's it's a dangerous game. Um uh, being so outspoken versus a an undefeated one seed in a in a pretty easy uh easy side of the bracket. Yeah, I think for me, um, I definitely look at Kansas as well, and have liked what I've seen of late. I think that I remember seeing some stat earlier in the season when they Duke and I want to say UNC or maybe Kentucky were all unranked. It was the first time in God maybe fifty years or something that all three of them had been had been unranked at the same time, but. Considering they're a three seed now, they must have clearly shot up the ranking. So I think better play during the second half of the season certainly bodes well for them. And I could see them challenging for, for the West. I mean, I think it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting region because I think it's pretty, it's somewhat loaded. Certainly good options outside of just the number one hole. And I, I think there is something to be said for that that undefeated team that comes with a target on its back, particularly Gonzaga, that always gets um, that always gets guff for playing in a weaker conference and typically coming in with you know anywhere from three losses or fewer uh, into the tournament. Um, so yeah, I think if I had to make a pick, I'd probably I'd probably go with Kansas. Bill Self definitely well well established, and and it, it almost feels like they're due. I feel like it's been a little while since they made it to the final four, I want to say. So, yeah, that's 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 what I'm rolling with. All right. That sounds good. I, I think I'm uh, I'm on the same page as Stahl with this one. I don't really like to pick on Zaga because, I mean, they have played a, a few out-of-conference games at the very beginning of the season. Um, but it's it, it's tough to pick the, these teams. Of course, Gonzaga uh, is very good. They've been good for a long time, and this is perfect opportunity for them to win it all. Um, and at least for me, I think I do have them in the final four. Um, but with that, we'll move to the final quadrant. Uh, I think a very interesting one with the East. I, the number one seed is Michigan at 20 and four, number two, Alabama at 24 and six. 
Um, and I'll just start off by saying, I think this is really wide open. I think, um, I, I, I guess I mentioned this earlier where I think, you know, UConn, if there was a, a low seeded team or a high number, low seed, whatever, um, team to make the final four, I think it could be a UConn team. Um, and, but really, I think a lot of these teams have a really good chance. Texas has looked very good. Um, Florida State uh, winning the regular season of the ACC. Um, and as I mentioned, Michigan with with an injury. So um, this one's really tough. If I had to choose, I think I'm picking Texas here. Um, but, but, you know, I think uh, there's a very good chance for a lot of these teams. Yeah, I was uh, just messing around in a bracket while we were talking. And I was just, you know, picking uh, the, the upsets that I think definitely have a chance of happening um, throughout the bracket. And then I ended up with uh, an Elite Eight, or excuse me, a Sweet 16 in the East that has LSU, FSU, um the winner of the Michigan State game, who I would assume is Michigan State in this scenario, and UConn. Uh, and so then my my top two teams at East ended up being seven-seeded UConn and eight-seeded LSU, which, uh, looking at it, seems absurd. But, I mean, I could see it happening. I think this is, um, you know, probably the weakest in terms of the top four-seeded teams. Um I think maybe we're all a little low on Michigan just because they lost in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. Um, but I'm I'm definitely low on Alabama, which I touched on earlier. Uh, Daniel, you like Texas, which I could maybe see, but I, I was not joking about that Adeline Christian upset in the first round. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm probably filling out four brackets this uh, this year, I think three of them are, are going Michigan's way. Yeah, for me, um, yeah, this is kind of echoing what Henry said. This is a tough, this is a tough reason to really lay a finger on. My gut tells me Texas as well. Um, but I do, and I, and I also want to echo what, what you said earlier in the episode, Daniel, about, about UConn and their chances. They've had some Pretty solid wins this season, albeit with a little disappointment in the Big East tournament, dropping to to Creighton in the semis. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, Florida State could uh, could could make some noise. Uh, they're generally known as a pretty solid defensive team historically, and, and like I said earlier in the episode, I think defense could figure big into into this tournament. The the Bonnie St. Bonaventure. Uh, wrapped up the the one two, eight ten regular season and tournament title. So, despite having played just twenty games, I think they they might um they might be in a, in a good position to to do to do well as additionally. Yeah, um, I think the East will maybe be the most fun to watch, just in the sense of like there are so many teams in in the East right now that could surprise all of us. I'm not so hot on, I believe, what Stahl just said with Abilene Christian. Um, I don't quite think that that is the upset that we're going to see, and we inevitably see one in this in this uh, in this group of teams here. But yeah, just in terms of in competitiveness, I 
I think Colorado's got a good team. Florida State's got a good team. Like the difference between the one seed and the six seed is just, I think, the smallest out of any of the groups. So, yeah, I mean, I still have Michigan going through, which sucks. I actually have Michigan making the final. Um, but I do think that, like, listen, there could anything could happen. Anything could happen uh, in the East. I have Michigan and Texas uh, in that in that Elite Eight round. Um, but again, again, we shall see. We shall see. Um, but yeah, I think this is definitely going to be going to be my favorite group to watch. All right. Well, you mentioned it. We're about out of time, so we'll end it off with, of course, uh, the most difficult of picks. Who is going to win it? Also, everyone will just run down uh, who you got in your your final uh, title game, and then who you got winning. I can get us started. Um, oof, I can't say. <laughs> can't say I've made my bracket yet, so this is going to be really off the cuff. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Illinois in the title game and and Kansas, and I'm going to say. I'm going to say Illinois is my winner. I'm going to be lame and have two one seeds in Gonzaga, Illinois in the championship. Uh, and I think Gonzaga will win. Um, maybe this is just out of spite for, for all the slander I'm hearing, but uh, they, they've got a lot of good players. I'm, I'm a big Jalen Suggs fan. He's out of Minneapolis. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll pick Gonzaga over Illinois. Um, and obviously, I guess there always has to be that one guy, and today I'm him. I have uh, Michigan versus Ohio State in the final. Um, exactly what the fans want to see. I just listen. It's a call it call it diluted genius when it pays off. Okay, it's Michigan versus Ohio State in the final, and I have Ohio State winning. Um, yeah, that's that that's it for me, really. <laughs> well, yeah, that that would certainly be a crazy title game. And speaking of crazy title games, how about this one? Baylor over Texas final. What what a matchup that would be. Sheesh. <laughs> Texas battle. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you heard it here first. All the things that we've just said are most likely not going to happen. Uh, so, but you never know. Uh, we will all be tuning in this weekend for the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, and I'm sure you will be as well. Thank you all for listening to this week of the podcast, and thank you for joining me, Owen Fitzsimons, Henry Stahl, and Max Goldfarb. Um, And we will see you next week.